listening to Hear the Turtle. Your hosts are Taylor Slife and Keith Snedden. Welcome back to the best of 2017 mixtape. Hear the Turtles recap of the entire year. And we've got our last set of guests, and it's our alums and personalities, Keith. And we had a lot of different people across the spectrum, TV, different athletes, a lot of different sports. We're going to start out with our first six, and it's a really interesting group. Yeah, Scott Van Pelt, Mellow Trimble. Herm Edwards, Daryl Hill, Patrick Mullins, and Alex Len. The name that sticks out the most in that group, now head coach of Arizona it's State. It's pretty outrageous. Herm Edwards. I mean, we, we've talked about the tur- Hear the Turtle bump before, Taylor, but is there anything to say? You know, I don't know how many podcasts Herm Edwards went on after us. He may have been his last one. I don't know. He made a lot of ESPN t- television appearances, yep. but he was doing that for like eight years and wasn't getting a head coaching job. He j- jumps on this podcast and gets an Arizona State head coaching job. Very happy for Herm, who was very nice to us and gave us a lot of his time, a lot of energy from him. We talked to Mello Trimble. We gave him the bump. He's now tearing it up in the in the G League, playing Absolutely. really, really well. Scott yeah. Van Pelt, always killing it. Daryl Hill was great. Patrick Mullins was, you know, had a four goals in about 30 minutes when we talked to him. A lot of people on highs. It was, it was a very fun time to talk to all the different people. Then Alex Len. Faked an injury or tried to get over an injury getting to the, the podium at the end of NBA draft. Got a, a pretty funny picture out of it, too, where we both look like hobbits. Next we one. do. We do. G- uh, the only picture worse is the DJ Durkin photo. <laughs> is the DJ Durkin photo. But let's let's talk to the first, and we'll start, obviously, with the man himself, Scott Van Pelt. Back here on Hear the Turtle with our first ever guest. And it's I'm a the big first one. one. First one. How about that? Nice. Got to go big for the first one, right? Scott Van Pelt. And we're sitting here at Cole Fieldhouse. And Scott, go over a little bit why you're here today. We're here on a Sunday uh, taping a, a, a segment for your show. What's sort of the purpose of the visit? Well, we're doing, uh, we're doing a shoot with Trombone Shorty, who is a, uh, a New Orleans-based artist that I've become friendly with over the past couple of years. Uh, he and his band uh, are shooting. They have a song called Hurricane Season. And... Um, when I used to pick games on the radio, we would always use their song as just a drop. And so all we're, all we're doing today is filming the equivalent of like a music video that we'll use during our season. But I say all we're doing, like we're in Cole Fieldhouse. We've got a bunch of the Maryland band here. Uh, we're we're going to try to kick it to the next level and take what we've done and make it bigger. Uh, kind of like they've done with Cole. <laughs> uh, just take, build on what we've done, and make it feel just a little bit, a little bit bigger. And uh, having Trombone Shorty here is is a monstrous, monstrous uh, sort of step in that direction. But then just the being in this building, you know, I called Kevin Anderson and I asked, and they said sure, which is an amazingly kind gesture. So it's uh, it's really it's just that's why we're here, and I'm uh, I'm just blown away that we get to do it. And you said sort of what they've done here with Cole Fieldhouse. This is your first time, and you, we just sort of watched you walk in here <laughs> and observe it. What were your first initial feelings just seeing the place? It's just so freaking big, man. I mean, <laughs> I, you know, it doesn't surprise me because, I mean, Cole is a big – it's a big footprint. And then you, you take the seats out and you take the, you know, the, the ground level out and you come down to, to this, you know, to this spot. And it, it makes sense. I mean, I, 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 I pictured big – but it's like anything, you know, it's it's like, you know, the Grand Canyon, you know, it's big and then you go, holy crap, this is really big. Uh, and so walking in, it's just it's jaw dropping and it's, um, you know, it's just an immaculate brand new joint. And it, the coolest part to me is that it's just the beginning of, of what they're doing um, and that it represents what Maryland can be. That's my favorite part is that it takes the doubt 
that, that I think Maryland has, has been plagued by through the years of, ah, we can't be this or we probably won't do that. No, no, how about, how about we do this and it's awesome. And then you see it and you go, oh, yeah, that, yep, that sure is. So, you know, cool, let's do something else awesome. What's next? You know what I mean? I think that's the, that's the, the best part about it. Obviously, being a, a big-time Maryland fan over the years, when you walked back in, were there any memories that were flooding back, any particular moments <laughs> any? that... I mean, <laughs> man, I, 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 I was telling Zach, you know, I grew up in this building. I mean, grew up in this building. Um, I, 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 uh, I sat next to some of the greatest people I've ever known, people that are no longer here. My father passed away when I was a student here. Um, some of the the great some of the greatest examples of Maryland's successes in industry and business uh, were our were our good friends but they were better examples of just sort of how to be how to be loyal to Maryland um, the reason I'm as loyal as I am is because of the example that I think I grew up around um, that's just what you did and so I mean you know memories my god it, it's just it's overwhelming uh, to be in this place and to think about what went on before and now what's what's next and uh and and the hopes of how they can make this for them what cole was for basketball you know a huge huge advantage so you got to put on your maryland basketball historical hat right now this is maybe the toughest question okay. you got them you got to pick three players you're going into ice cubes big three league you got to <laughs> take three maryland all-time guys who are you taking start with uh start with leonard bias because uh, he's the greatest that i ever saw um this is impossible. You're only giving me three. Like, if you give me five, it's hard. But now you're giving me three. Uh, Maybe a two-person bench. My God. Um, I'll take my main man, Gravis Vasquez, just because he's got moxie, and he's, he's my guy forever. <laughs> so right now I have Gravis, and I have, uh, and I have Leonard, and now I got a big – I need a big – I think I'll go uh, – for this league, maybe we'll go Joe Smith, who was an overall oh, yeah. number one yeah. pick. Um Shoot a little bit, get in the yeah, post. Yeah, I mean that's where we're looking for some versatility here in this three-on-three league. But I mean, it's you know, it's an impossibility. I was, I when I if if you're asking me who my favorites are, Juan Dixon and that O2 team will mm -hmm. be indebted to yep. forever. They they gave us a, a title. Uh, Leonard's the best I ever saw, and Gravis is the kid that I just I loved who he was. He he wore his passion for Maryland on his sleeve the same way I feel like I do. Um, no apologies, and you know, basically I'm from Maryland. Everybody can kiss my ass. <laughs> <laughs> We're back here on Hear the Turtle, and the man himself is in the building, former Maryland guard, now Minnesota Timberwolf, Mello Trimble. Mello, how you doing, man? I'm doing well, thank you. Now, I know it's been relatively still early, but have you gotten any time just to reflect on your career here and all the moments you had, all those great you know moments over the years? Yeah, um, just being out of Minnesota, just thinking this is a different start for me and just, you know, thinking about the old times I had at Maryland when I first got there. And obviously, I cut my hair, so that also brought back memories, too. I was about to say, <laughs> a new look for you. Barely even recognized you when you walked in here. The hair is cut much shorter. Yes. What What's the theory behind it? This hair was the signature. Or aerodynamic, right? Yeah. <laughs> it was. I mean, I see a lot of kids that, you know, are now, you know, taking a haircut and, you know, people my age and older and stuff. So I just started to... I just thought I'd do something different. You got to start a new trend, man. Yeah. Everyone copied you. Now you got you to bring yeah, it back. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm trying to do, start a new trend. <laughs> or, I don't know what I'm going to do to my hair. I mean, it's kind of growing you know, back out a little bit, but I haven't decided what I want to do to it yet. But right now, I feel I look all right right now. We're back here on Hear the Turtle with the coach, Herm Edwards. Coach, thanks for joining us. It's good to be here, obviously. Um, 
one of my colleagues, Scott Van Pelt, um, can't brag enough about the alma mater. I always say, yeah, but every time I come to the alma mater and I look in the gym, where is your jersey hanging from the rack? That's another story. We won't go there. <laughs> He's got one picture up over here. I love But it. no jersey He's in the, the rack. He's the best. Now, Coach, I'm not sure if you've gotten the chance to meet Coach Durkin yet. I'm sure you will today, but what's your impression of, of DJ so far, just looking from afar? Maybe? Well, you know, he's, he's got some discipline to him. You know, this is a team that uh, has a competitive spirit. I, I thought you saw that in the Texas game right away, even last year, but this year even more. I, I think now that they feel like, you know, we can win. You got to teach people how to win. And, and I think now, you know, they get that. The Texas game was an illustration of it when um, things for a while looked kind of, uh-oh, here comes Texas getting ready to make their run, and they didn't. There was a part of that game where you thought the momentum was about to switch. They're, on, they're in Texas, a lot of, you know, history there, University of Texas, the Longhorns, the whole deal, and you get off to this fast start, and then all of a sudden they hit you in the nose, and it looks like, is momentum going to switch? They never let them gain momentum, and, and that says something about their mental toughness and their ability to to understand we're going to grasp the moment and we're not going to let it get away from us. What was it like, you know, we, we talked about it a little bit before we had you on here. Um, we had Stefan Diggs on Monday night last night, and there are a couple yeah. other Maryland guys in the league. What's, what do you see from a guy like Stefan, a really talented wide receiver, well, just he, for Maryland fans? Yeah, who, I love him. Well, he, he, you, know, it, you know, that league is about, like anything else, but that league especially is about confidence. It really is. I mean, m- most of the players that have the ability to, to get to that level, they have the talent. It's a matter of when opportunity presents itself, you got to grasp it because you don't get a lot of chances there. And he was a kid last year that was kind of you interested. You know, you watched him, you went okay, but you didn't know. You know, you like this is a big step for him, and to, and to do it on national television in a big moment against. A pretty good football team, by the way. That's going to give him confidence going this way now. I mean, all of a sudden, he's the, you know, people are talking about him. I mean, it's not, you know, Treadwell, they drafted in the first round. He hadn't found his way yet with this young man. Wasn't a high-round pick. You're talking about him and, and the other kid, Thielen, I believe it is. Now. Yeah. He's yep. a free agent. This kid was a fifth-round draft choice. They're the two best receivers they got. It's great. Now, you talk about... Maryland alums, you told a story today about Lamont Jordan yeah. during his days you know, coming up in the Jets. T- walk us through that story a little bit. You mentioned it, you know, backing up Curtis Martin. What did you do to, to coach him up? Well, it, you know, Lamont had a lot of talent, was one of, was a really talented player. And the problem he had, he's behind Curtis Martin, and that's what I told him when he got there. Because we knew Curtis Martin eventually was going to, you know, retire. But Lamont, I tell you what, he, he, was, he was a great teammate. He really was. And... Um, you know, my wife was involved with the team, and, and, and that, was, that was one of her favorite guys was Lamont. And he really – I mean, my wife used to travel with us, and I could just remember when we would get on the bus to go to the airport, Lamont would always come and give her a kiss, you know, and she, she was really good with the players and the players' wives. And um, Lamont was a guy that he had tremendous talent, boy. And the problem he had – He's behind a guy wearing a yellow jacket. So at times, you know, he would get into the game uh, and it would be finishing the game off when everybody knew we were going to run it, right? I go, okay, man, you got to make a couple first downs for us because we got And But you just talking about a, a great player, you know, and then he went to Oakland after that, you know, and, and had a little stint with Oakland, but just one of those guys that, you know, he was fun to be around. 
He had this personality where you didn't, you know, people, he didn't smile a lot, you know, but he was really a great guy. I loved the guy. I mean, he would come in my office sometimes on Tuesdays. You know, players aren't in there, right? He'd come in the office and coach, I want to sit down and talk. Come on in here, man. Come on in here, Jordan. Call him 34. Come on in here, 34. He'd sit down and we'd talk, you know, but love him. Love the guy. We're back here on Hear the Turtle with the Maryland legend himself, Daryl Hill. Mr. Hill, very much appreciate you coming on the podcast. Thank you. I'm a legend in my own mind. <laughs> <laughs> well, and in some other people's mind, too, in some people's mind, too. First of all, back here, we have you back here at Maryland. You're at a lot of the games, too. What's it like just coming back on campus, watching football games for you? Okay, it's, it's always reminiscent. You know, I, I walk out there on that practice field, and there's a lot of things that are just the same. I look around, and I kind of feel, oh, yeah, I remember. I remember. So, uh it's a pleasure. I'm going out to practice in a few minutes. Just well, going out to practice and seeing these guys who just, you know, when we were talking, you coming off a big win against Texas that I'm sure you watched on Saturday. What was it like watching that? I was there. Oh, there you go. Actually, in the building. Okay. I was there. I watched the Texas fans become quieter and quieter and quieter. And then by halftime, half of them left. <laughs> and they were pretty sad as we were exiting the stadium. I almost felt sorry for them. Because <laughs> I think they fully didn't expect that. And uh, I must confess, I didn't actually expect such a big victory either. But we looked great. Now, have you gotten the chance to go into Cole Fieldhouse yet since you've been here? I have not. And I'm going to do that as my at my earliest convenience. You know, last time I was in Cole, it was old, and quiet, and dingy. <laughs> but you know, I worked here a few years back, and yeah. that concept of converting Cole was one that I was always trying to push forward. Uh, you know, dollars and cents were always pushing back, but uh, we finally got there, and I think that's going to make a big, big difference in. Uh, our image, and certainly in our recruiting. I was about to say, as someone who is an alum of the program, is there some sort of pride to a project of that magnitude getting done to sort of try to push Maryland football a little bit farther into the national you know, stage? Oh, absolutely. That puts us, not that we weren't on the big stage, but that puts us higher up on the big stage. And it's not just an indoor practice facility. I've seen a few of them. Some of them are kind of drab. You know, they're indoors. You know, they've they got bubbles and so forth, including the Redskins, for that matter. Uh, but uh, this is a facility. This is uh, something special. Now, I've always been interested a little bit in your backstory in terms of your playing career. Obviously, you're well known as being the first African-American player to play football in the ACC. But I don't think people realize before you got to Maryland, you were at the Naval Academy and then were recruited by a notable person, now a TV personality, Lee Corso. Take us through a little bit of that process getting recruited that, by that Corso is my man. I, <laughs> you know, they did a special on him the other day, and I, you know, I was just glorying in because he's a wonderful human being, just to, to put it mildly. Uh, I was at Navy, and and uh, Staubach and I were on a team together. Pretty good quarterback, by the not, way. Not too shabby, he, no. He wasn't too shabby. Yeah. Yeah, he was all right. You know, I, I remember the first day of practice, uh, this guy was running around and slinging bullets on the dead run. I said, who are, who are you? you know, <laughs> he said, my name is Roger. I said, well, Roger, you can play. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so but at that time, they had freshman teams. The freshmen couldn't play varsity. And Maryland and um, Navy were un – they had unofficial rankings, were highly ranked freshman team, both undefeated, last game of the season – they had to move the game into the main stadium away from where the freshman teams usually played. And uh, 
Corso was the freshman coach. So I had a pretty good game, and you know he came up afterwards and congratulated me. And then uh, when I announced publicly that I was thinking of transferring from Navy, he picked up the phone, called me, <laughs> and I said, "Coach, you know," he said, "I want you to come over and come to College Park and take a look around." I said, "Well, why?" <laughs> <laughs> I said, "You're a segregated school in a segregated conference." Yeah, and he said, "Well, that's just that's just the point. Uh, we're ready to." to dial that back. And uh, so he invited me there and, you know, I came here and during my stay here, he was sort of my mentor. You know, he was always kind of by my side and uh, kind of walked me through the process. So, you know, there's a, there's a space in my thoughts and hearts for Lee Corsa, for sure. And we're back here on Hear the Turtle, and we're joined by one of the best players in Maryland soccer history, the two-time Mac Herman Trophy Award winner. We could go down the list of awards. Now MLS standout for DC United, Patrick Mullins. Patrick, thanks for joining us. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me, man. I appreciate uh, the, the mention to get on. First of all, we have to start with your recent performance this weekend, and many people don't score four goals in a match at any level, much less at professionally in 31 minutes. What was going through your mind as you were just putting in goal after goal on Saturday night? <laughs> just thinking about the next one. Uh, honestly, <laughs> it was um, quite a night for me, uh, an unusual night, uh, I would even say, uh, uh, I did. I don't typically score goals uh, in bunches like that. I I don't only had my first hat trick in I think like eight years uh, last year. My first year with United, and uh, it seemed like it was another kind of crazy special night where this past weekend everything I was touching was going into the goal. But you know, it, it was a, it was big for me. It's been uh, kind of a tough year for me with a few injuries, and uh, our team hasn't been performing as well. But it was it was a nice personal highlight to to have that kind of four goal performance. And I was proud of myself, you know, usually you get one goal or two and you can get excited or worked up. I was happy that I, I kind of kept my composure and uh, was very calm with the, the chances I got the rest of the game. And, you know, four goals later, here we are. Have you ever done that at any level? Cause that is crazy. I mean, four goals in, in the game is, is insane. No, I don't remember that. I mean, uh, I remember some games in high school that would get uh, a little, out of hand in terms of the <laughs> score sometimes. Um, but no, I don't remember ever having a game with four goals uh, like that. So it's definitely something when your career's over, I'll be looking back on it saying, wow, I can't believe that happened. Patrick, I'm, uh, I'm wondering, what was your reaction like the summer of 2016? You, you hear the news, you're, you're getting traded to, to DC United. Was there any excitement coming back to you know, an area you're familiar with? And what has it been like now getting settled back into the, the DMV? I was a place that I had my eye on from my college park days, you know, uh, RFK stadium being a, a stone's throw away, only 25 minute drive, uh, from college park. I spent some, spent some time there watching games and I was somewhere that, uh, you know, I would, I always thought I'd be proud to represent and the opportunity, uh, kind of presented itself last year, like you're saying. And, it's something I, I just wanted to pick up and run with. Uh, and it, it was funny, you know, I'm not originally from 
the Maryland area, but uh, the amount of people that reached out to me coming back and then, uh, you know, it's calling for tickets and things like this. It, it really was a homecoming for me because uh, of the what the area means to me and Maryland soccer and just just the people in general. You know, they, they follow you from College Park all the way to the pros. So it's something special. Now, you got to spend four years in Sasha Swarovski's system. What are some things you took from from playing under Sasha and playing here at Maryland that you've been able to translate into your career now in the pros? I think a big thing, uh, I guess, uh, that I would take from Sasha is the ability to be resilient. Uh, I guess just a, a quick story about uh, the very first thing I remember about Sasha is when I was up at a, a Maryland soccer camp in the summer. And uh, I, w- I was desperate. I wanted to try and impress, uh, you know, a coach at a school like Maryland with a great soccer program. Uh, and the first summer I was there, I got, I got knocked down a peg or two. You know, Sash said, look, I think you're a good player, but there are these things that I want you to work on if you really want to see yourself be successful. Uh, and he challenged me. Uh, so, you know, me, I was very determined. I came back the next summer. A year later, and I said, "Here, I pretty much said, look at me. I've I've done everything you told me. I wanted to improve, and now I want to be a part of Maryland soccer. And, uh, you know, I think he was impressed with what I had done and saw that, that it meant a lot to me to constantly be improving. Uh, and then, you know, the, as uh, as the next couple of years unfold, I end up being a Terrapin. And I think that's, that, that's, that's Sasha in a nutshell. I think he's constantly – having high demands for his players to, to be better than where they currently are. And I think that's something that has stuck with me in the pros when you absolutely need that, when you have competition at the highest level and guys coming in all the time, uh, you know, pretty much gearing for your job and you have to be at the top of your game. Now we had Sasha on a few weeks ago and obviously a heck of a personality always. Everyone here at Maryland, you know, loves him for that. Is there anything specific from your playing career that you remember in terms of a story? I know you talk about sort of, you know, getting to Maryland as a story that epitomizes Sasha, mm-hmm. but maybe something funny, uh, especially appropriate for the podcast, though, that you can say about <laughs> Sasha. Uh, you know, I think a funny story about Sasha is, uh, uh, you know, I think at the time uh, we were at training one day and uh, we were in the middle of a drill. And uh, we were all working hard and we all thought that, uh, you know, this would be uh, a good training session to get something out of it. And, you know, Sash can be intense sometimes. We look over and he looks like he's like freaking out on us or something in the drill. And we're like, what could be going so wrong? We, we, we can't we didn't think it was going that bad. Turned out he had he had a B in his shirt that he was trying to get out and he was uh, frantic because of uh, obviously if you have be in your shirt you'd be freaking out a little bit but uh, you know it's just a little funny story like you said uh, he can be very uh, demanding and want the most out of us and then uh, to see uh, something like that it was just kind of a funny moment um, do you sort of still ca- stay connected with your teammates at Maryland? What's that bond that you guys have formed? Like, I know a lot of the alums come back to the games, um, but w- w- you know, how much contact do you keep? I know there were probably a lot of alums uh, texting some of the guys before the UMBC game on Tuesday. What that's, what is that bond like? I think it's one of the biggest things in our program is that tight, tight knit bond from players in the past to they still feel a part of it. You know, I, I was on my phone watching the game on 
on Tuesday night and, you know, still know pretty much every name on the team. Uh, and I think that's important. It, it's, it's not something you, you hear about from other programs when I talk to guys is that closeness and uh, wanting guys to come back and still be a big part of things. But that's something we have in Maryland. And I think we, we take pride in making sure that it stays that way. Back here and here, the turtle and the man himself, the big man, Alex Len. In with us, Alex. How you doing, man? I'm doing great, man. Uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. You're back here working out with Kyle Tarp, and that's what I was going to sort of start with. You, you know, worked out with Kyle when you're here as a player. You now come back and work out with him a little bit now as a pro. What is sort of Kyle's special quality? His ability to sort of transform bodies, especially big men. Right. You know, Kyle. I think Kyle is still the best in the business. Uh, he he got this ability to push you to your, to your limit. You know, get you out of your comfort zone, and that's where you want to be as, as, a, as a pro athlete. You always get out of you, you want to be uncomfortable being uncomfortable. So and Kyle, the best at it, he, he pushes to the limit and uh, pushes to the next level. Now, for you coming back, what is it like to sort of walk back into the Xfinity Center, a place where you had a lot of a lot of great moments and you know had fun with your teammates? What sort of what does it bring back when you walk I mean, back? It's in? amazing. Every time I come here, so many memories. And uh, I worked out with Kyle. Then I went to uh, went upstairs, talked to, to Coach Sturgeon, and we probably sat there for like thirty minutes, just <laughs> reminiscing about like two years I had here when I came. Like, what well, was two twenty five? pounds when I walked in the door and when I left I was like 250 so we got a lot of stuff to talk about it was a uh, it was good times that's something I wanted to touch on you had that huge transformation from freshman year to sophomore year not only you know as an athlete but personally what was that you're like looking back I mean how much growth did you do have in such a short period of time uh, yeah uh, it was a uh, like I put like 25 pounds it was the summer after my freshman year into going in my going in my sophomore year I remember the watching that uh uh, NBA draft that, that summer, and uh, I seen all those guys like from uh, North Carolina, Zeller, like getting drafted. I was like, oh, like I got a chance. So I was like, I put everything aside, like going out, all that stuff. I was like, I want to, I, I want to work hard, put a, put a, put hours in, and uh, I want to make it too. So that's when I, me and Kyle started working together and ch- trying to change my body, change my diet, everything. And that, that was a big jump. Was there a moment in that second college season, you know, a game or someone you played against where you played well and you thought, okay, like. I've gotten to sort of where I want to be. I can see the next step after this. You know, some performance that you remember? Um, I think, I mean, I had a couple good games, even my freshman year, like against like Zeller and them. Like, so when I see those guys getting drafted, I was like, you know what, I got a chance too. You know what I'm saying? So um, after I seen them got drafted, I was like, I just got to I just gotta put my mind into it and, and I can make it too. So and after that, after that, I remember watching that draft in June, and then coming back to Kyle, I was like, Kyle, we gotta like, I wanna, I wanna get it in seriously, and we started like working out after hours. When everybody go home, I would come back at night, start you know doing extra work, and uh, I think that was the biggest, the biggest, uh, you know what I mean, uh, change. When you got drafted fifth overall in that in that draft, what was that moment like with your family? You know, sort of all of that work coming to that one specific yeah, man, that, moment. That's the moment everyone remembers. What was it like for you? Man, that was the craziest night probably in my <laughs> life. <laughs> Seriously, I woke up at like 5:30 in the morning that that, that day, like just already like nervous because it's like you just you don't know where you're gonna go. But it's like it's like excitement and nervous nervousness at the same time. But and um, it was a crazy day. And, uh, I remember uh, sitting at the table. You like, it was like fourth, fourth. Uh, they called just uh, who we went in the fourth. Uh, Zeller, he, he went fourth. And my agent just got a call. He's on the phone with the Phoenix Suns uh, GM. So he passed me the phone, and he was like, "All right, Alex, we're about to pick you." That was like the moment of relief. Right there. <laughs> <laughs> that was amazing. But it, it was a it was a hell of a night. 
And I also was, I was injured that night. So I had, a, nobody knows that. I had a boot on my foot, like on my leg the whole night. And so right before I walk on the stage, because the doctor didn't clear me to take my boot off. So I was like, I'm not going on the stage on the boot off. Like, I don't want that picture on my wall, you know what I'm saying? Being yeah. shaking wow. David Stern's uh, hands with, with a boot on. So I was like, I'm taking my boot off. I took my boot off, put a re regular shoe on. Limped on the stage, just, <laughs> like, just uh, tried to fake it as much as possible. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, I need, I need a good picture on my wall. You know what I'm saying? So I think we have one more question. It's something we talked about a little bit before we came on here. Go back a couple of years against NC State, number 14 NC State in the Xfinity Center. You had a game-winning putback to beat NC State. Right. Was Pishon Howard's ball that fell into your hands a pass, or was it a shot? He still swear it was a pass. To <laughs> <laughs> so this day, he's going to say it was a pass, but I think it was a shot. But it, it, it was a perfect shot, perfect miss, I think. I was so, about to say, yeah. it did exactly what it needed to do. Yeah, exactly. Fans storm the yeah, court. I'll take it. Oh. I got one more. I got one more for you. I know back in the day you were a big Boston Market guy. Now is that, oh, true, is, is true. that still That's at the right. top of the list yeah, of your takeout? I, I, I drove the other day past Route One. <laughs> I, I might as hell to put a Panda Express over over my favorite place. <sighs> but yeah, but Boston Market, I still I still go today like every week, every two weeks. We're back with our last set of alums and personalities. But real quick, Keith, just looking back, how about Scott Van Pelt just selling the heck out of us when we didn't know what we were doing? Uh, still don't know what we're doing, but a little little less than we're getting better and just looking through this last you know set of guys a, a lot of different fields that they went into i mean we talked to mojo raleigh who the week after won a match at a wwe pay-per-view sean merriman is appearing you know daily on espn yannick ngakwe by the time we're taping this maybe they're made the pro bowl or on the verge of making a pro bowl he's having a breakout breakout season you know gravis vasquez on his comeback he's in sort of an interesting stage of life one of my favorite interviews we did was definitely gravis yeah i mean and and not to be self-serving for both of us but a guy that we just loved watching play and i just remember being so excited talking to to us and he that radiating of excitement that he gave is just like he was on the court like he was the same exact guy you saw out there and, and that was a fun one hopefully he can get back Lamont Jordan ended up being a fixture in the radio booth That's after right. we talked yeah. to him and I think yep. he's going to be a one that Maryland fans hear on the radio with Johnny Holiday then obviously Johnny gave us great story after story you know the the legend himself obviously I think I've called 18 people legends as we've gone through this podcast hey, well deserved legends though yeah. well deserved well deserved so let's listen to those last set of people are our alums and personalities Back here on Hear the Turtle, alongside Zach Bono from our University of Maryland Media Relations Department, but we're here with Lamont Jordan, the all-time rushing leader in Maryland history. Lamont, thanks for joining us thanks today. Thanks for having me. Now, in the background, you'll hear the BTN tailgates here. You just went on the show. You're going to be on the Maryland Sports Radio Network later. You're going to be calling the third quarter. What's it like? I mean, you're a popular guy. What's it like just to be back here on game day experiencing it again? You know what? It's fun. It's my first time in years being back for, for a game day experience. Um, you know, it, it's exciting. You know, being in the Big Ten is still an adjustment period for me, uh, like most of us Terps, especially those of us who have played. But uh, to have the Big Ten network here, we have Northwestern coming to town. Um, you know, the head coach that I played for actually came from Northwestern, Coach Vandy. So, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to the game. I'm excited for it. And you look at the team now, a lot of explosive playmakers on the offensive side of the ball. Who are some guys that have stood out to you that you've really liked watching on this Maryland team? Uh, quite naturally, Ty. Um, I like I like the boy more out there. He, he's scrappy. He, as a running back, he's a guy that, that you want out there at the wide receiver position because you feel like that he's going he's gonna to not just run routes and try to catch the ball, but he's also going to get involved with, with, with run blocking. Uh, Tavon Jacobs was a kid that I had a chance to mentor when I, he, he went to my, my high school, Suitland High School. Um, uh, DJ, 
Um, DJ, he, he, he's a kid that I had an opportunity to coach. Lolo, I had an opportunity to watch him from the time he was in middle school. Uh, and then you just look at that defense. You look at the recruiting classes that he's that he's been able to get since Coach DJ since Coach DJ has been here. Uh, you just you just feel ex just feel great about the direction of the program. Another interesting tidbit about your NFL career: you were on that 2008 Patriots team. Yes. Tom Brady goes down that first game of the season. You still go 11 and five that year. Still have a really good team. I mean, is there ever a thought in your mind that man, if Tom was healthy, we may have been a Super Bowl team that year? You know, when I I couldn't stand the Patriots. <laughs> I absolutely hated the Patriots. When I was with the Jets, that was always Curtis's right, game right. because he played with the New England. So I'm on the sideline. I'm like, for me, this is my Florida State game. Like, let me get in against these guys. Yeah. To me, I'm playing against Florida State. Um, so I hated them. I was like, you know, these guys just really aren't that good. Like, they don't have just bonafide athletes over there. Why do we keep losing to them? And then I walked into the locker room. And instantly, I tell people all the time, when I walked into that locker room, a spirit literally jumped on me. I felt different. My whole mentality, my whole attitude was different. After about maybe three or four days of training camp, I said to myself, oh, I'm about to win a Super Bowl. <laughs> I understand the method of the madness. And Coach Belichick is hilarious. Coach Belichick is, you know, he's another coach. He's going to let you be who you are, but, but you got to show up and you have to do your job. And so when Tom went out, um, you know, I was like, oh, man. But the way they operate in New England, you could just you could just tell that, hey, we still have a, a shot at this thing. Unfortunately for me, I tore my calves, so I missed eight games. And the games that I missed happened to be critical games. We lost to the Chargers. We lost to the Colts, which those games happened to be um, wild card games, playoff games. And so, you know, to go 11-5, and five, miss the playoffs, um, you know, it was tough. But I learned a lot about life. I learned a lot about the game of football. And, and I just felt like I matured even more as a man with that experience playing under Coach Belichick. Now, with the backdrop of the game day experience here, I'm sure a lot of memories are, are flooding back, a lot of nostalgia. What are some of your favorite games that you played in here as a Terp? You know, Clemson, um, NC State, uh, my first Virginia game, my first UVA game, uh, it was the first time in my, my entire career that I can actually say that coming into a game, uh, I was a little nervous about a player. They had a safety by the name of Anthony Poindexter, who was just, he was just, he's a hitter. He was a, he was a heat-seeking missile. Um, but on that game, that was probably the most violent game that I've ever been a part of. It was, it was, it was an overcast day, just like today. We were playing UVA. We, I mean, they blew us out, but we, um, but we, but it's just, that's just one of the memories that I have. So beating NC State, beating Clemson. Um, and unfortunately, we lost the Virginia game. But to, to come down last game of the season against your rival, to have a game to go that way, although we lost the game, just as a fan of football, that was just a great game to watch. So, um, you know, those memories, I, I remember being out here on this practice field, constantly having to run because I was at the late for study hall and <laughs> getting in some type of trouble. But, uh, you know, I missed the college environment. It was a great opportunity for me. And with me being seven years removed from the NFL, what I've been doing with my time is just mentoring kids, talking about the mistakes that I've made, the lessons that I've learned along the way, and just passing on my message to other guys. I've lived it. Four years started here, nine-year NFL career, and now I'm excited to be back here and, and, and to look at these guys, hopefully take advantage of their opportunity. 
And we're back here on Hear the Turtle with the voice of the Terrapins in his 39th year calling Maryland football, Johnny Holiday. Johnny, thanks for coming on with us. Always a pleasure. First. Is this a cash thing or a check thing? <laughs> well, we're hoping you'll do it, it for later. We'll talk about it later. <laughs> and I'm going to start you off with an interesting one here. I think the, the thing you're most known for, for Maryland fans, and obviously one of the biggest moments in Maryland history is the 2002 National Championship Basketball. And your call at the end of the game, the kids have done it, which has now you know been in Maryland lore. Did you come up with that the night before, or was that just on the spot? Just on the spot. On the spot. I think what happened was, I, in fact, most guys know what they're going to say at the end of a broadcast, especially if it's the last game of the year, which that was for us. But for some reason, I had written down all the people to thank in the athletic department, media relations and so forth, and coaches that we work with all year. But I didn't have anything written down that it was the final game of the year. And so as as the final minutes ticked off and the final seconds ticked off, I looked down on the on the sidelines and you see the guys coming out one by one, and Dixon uh, running his hand through Gary's hair, and these other guys bouncing you know chest pumps and so forth, and you get a little bit emotional because you see what they've done, what they've been through. And you can see Gary tearing up, and I'm getting choked up. I mean, I have to admit that. And so when the final seconds ticked off, I was it just popped in my head, well, these kids have done it. I mean, these kids have worked their tail off. It's been a heck of a season, a terrific run just to get to the national championship team. And uh, to pull it off and to win like that was, was amazing. So, no, nothing was, it was just off the cuff and off the top of my head. What was that season? Before I started crying. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, Tears of happiness. And obviously an emotional experience going through that, especially after the year before when you get so close, you're in the position perhaps That's for right. the national title. What was that 2001-2002 season like with that special group of kids, with Gary and all of those different things, you going through that? Is there any a moment or story that sort of you know, encapsulates that season for you? Yeah, well, I think, I think, Taylor, one of the things was they had no injuries, no major injuries, and you can't – you can't go through a season and lose key guys like we've done in the past. In football, you see that with Max now taking over quarterback and Pigram's out and Hill's out. But, but in basketball, if you lose one or two guys, key guys, the season's basically over. We went through the whole season, uh, no major injuries. We beat the guys we had to beat. And if you look at who we got through to get to the championship game against Indiana, the Connecticut's and 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 the the other teams you had, the Kansas, and, and Kentucky, and yeah, Kentucky, yeah. I mean, these were not you know cupcake teams. You're you're beaten just to get there, and it seemed like every time a big game came up that you had to win, Maryland won that game, and that's what I remember most about this, this that year and the fact that they had just such a tightly knit group of guys with Dixon and Chris Wilcox and and Steve Blake and. Lonnie Baxter, and it just goes on and on and on. And the games that, I mean, the games that Dixon had down the stretch were absolutely incredible. The game at Connecticut, when him and Karan Butler went head-to-head, he'd hit a three, and Butler would come back and hit a three, and guarding each other, and just, it was just, it, it was just a terrific, terrific year. In your time in sports, and obviously you interviewed a lot of different Maryland guys, but, you, you know, you've been around a lot, now you work with the Nationals. 
Is there any specific guy, most interesting guy that you've interviewed, obviously, of all the subjects? I mean, you're doing Maryland interviews every week for football. You're just in here with DJ Moore. But is there any specific guy, Maryland or not Maryland, that you remember? There's, there's two things, Taylor. Number one would be um, Boomer Esiason. When Boomer came here as a freshman, highly touted quarterback out of, out of Long Island, and on media day down at, in, on the field here at Bird Stadium, I get a couple of minutes with Boomer. I said, um, and he's a freshman now, and freshmen don't normally talk like this. I said, you come in here, and uh, it's well documented that you think you ought to be the starting quarterback for this football team as a freshman. You want to tell me why? So Boomer looks at me, and he says, yeah, I'll tell you why. He said, number one, the quarterback has to be a winner, and I'm a winner. <laughs> it's freshman. I said, secondly, you want to put people in the stands. I will put people in the stands. Thirdly, you have to have the respect of all your teammates. They will love me. And fourth, you got to be able to play, and I can play. I'm looking at this guy like, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> you say it as a freshman. It was true. Everything was true, okay? A couple of others. Kevin Plank, when he played here. Kevin captained the special teams. Now, of course, everybody knows, founded Under Armour. And we're going to play at Clemson. And he says, uh, my mom and dad will be listening today. Can you give me a couple of extra tackles? It's a radio. I said, <laughs> yeah, sure. Be glad to. <laughs> True story now. So during the game, I forget about it. Naturally, I'm just doing the game. And, and we get back in the bus. And first thing he says to me, I think we had beat Clemson that day. He got on the bus. He comes by and he says, Mr. Holiday, did you, did you give me some extra? I said, Thinking quickly in my face, yeah, I gave you a couple of extra tackles. I said, twice you weren't even within 10 yards of the play. And the third time I gave you the tackle, you weren't even in the game. <laughs> but it's radio. So what, you know, what people don't yeah, know, okay? Know. Know yeah, 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 yeah. And then he says to me, um, as the season wound down, can I meet you at Bentley's for lunch? Now, normally guys don't do that. I said, yeah, sure. So I go to Bentley's with, with Kevin. He said, I got this idea. I can get some frozen turkeys, and I like to go in different corners of College Park with some of my teammates and sell these frozen turkeys for Thanksgiving. Do you think that would work? And I'm thinking, here's a kid in college. Already his mind is working. I said, absolutely. Boom, he does it. They sell out the turkeys. Okay, comes Valentine's Day. We have lunch again. He said, I got a chance to get these boxes of candy and flowers. <laughs> you think we could do the same thing and go to street? Yeah, absolutely. Sure. And he did. And I'm thinking, boy, this guy's going to go somewhere. That's Kevin. Yeah. Wow. Thirdly, we're coming out of the locker room after the Connecticut game in the NCAA tournament. And Juan Dixon, as we come out, I'm walking down the hallway, and there's a CBS camera guy filming us. And Dixon comes up, puts his arm around me, and says, Mr. Holiday, he says, man, how about that game? I said, yeah, you kicked their beep. Okay? You can fill in the missing blank. Sure. You yeah. kicked their beep in this game. He said, yeah, we sure did. We sure did. And the camera guy's filming us. Now, they don't pick this up on camera. So we take off, and we're about midway between where we're playing and, and College Bar and Baltimore. And he comes back on the plane, and Dixon says to me, I've never heard you curse before. I said, what are you talking about? He said, well, as we're walking out of the locker room, you said, hey, you beat their beep. 
And I, I didn't think anything of it. And I said, well, Juan, I think with Coach Williams, you've heard a lot. Yeah. <laughs> you've, heard, you've heard a few more you know, ex- expletives than what I... And, and it dawned on me that here I was, I told my wife, and she said, well, yeah, because you don't... I said, I never use that kind of language around these guys, never. And they look at you in a different light. And for him to pick that up like that, I never forgot it. He never forgot it either. To this very day, he'll say, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's and that's just three little stories. We're back here on Hear the Turtle, and it's an honor to have the legend himself, Gravis Vasquez. Gravis, thanks for coming on the show, man. No, thank you for having me here. Now, first of all, I have to say, you just talked to a, a bunch of donors, the Fast Breakers tonight, and you told a story about how the shimmy was inspired by a player you watched in Venezuela who also inspired your number 21. Tell us a little bit of that story. How did you get the shimmy? That's what you're known for, well, other than the good play. This guy named Diego Guevara used to play for UNC Charlotte, and every time he scored three... He used to send kisses to his wife. He was the only <laughs> college player in basketball that was married at that time. So I used to watch him from back home. Uh, he used to wear number 21, so I was trying to keep the history of the number. And then now we took 21 somewhere else. You know, it's, it's, it's bigger now. So uh, it was unbelievable. I always wanted to play college basketball. And watching him really inspired me uh, because at the time I had an offer to go to Europe instead of just coming to the state to go to high school. So that's when everything started. Grievous, you told an interesting story. You didn't take any college visits. You watched the game, Maryland was playing, you saw Gary Williams. Walk us through that story of how you ultimately decided to commit to Maryland. Well, you know, uh, the best thing that happened, the best thing that happened to me was that I didn't know anything about the culture of Maryland. I didn't know anything about Gary. I didn't know, I didn't know much about college basketball, but my guy, Diego, you know, that's the reason I wear number 21. So. One day, when I was in Montreal, we used to stay at the house next door, next to the school, and I'm doing homework, and I'm watching Duke against Maryland. Um, and I'm watching the game. It was in College Park. It was the Comcast Infinity Center. At the time, it was Comcast Center. So I'm like, I'm watching the game while I'm doing my homework, and I go like, man, I want to play for Gary. I want to <laughs> play for that man. I didn't know Gary's name. I want to play for that guy. So it's so intense, you know, going crazy, yelling and all that. I was like, I love his passion. So, ever since I saw that game, I knew what I was what I was gonna go. You know, a few weeks after, Gary came to our uh, uh, weight uh, weight um, our weight room, and he offered me a scholarship. So I was like, I don't even know what you're saying because I don't speak any English. But I, <laughs> I want to go to your school. I want to I want to play for you. And I never took any visit. I never went and visit any school. I knew I was gonna go to Maryland, and I didn't want to go anywhere else. You talked a lot about loyalty, and you said Coach Williams is one of the most loyal per- people you've ever met, and that's one of the things you live your life by. Is there any story that sort of encapsulates that loyalty that he has for you and that you have for him while you were at Maryland? Well, I mean, I can tell you a, a, a good story I never say before, I never tell before. <laughs> I didn't remember when I told people that a dude that can't run indoor, it was my house. That was kind of bad, you know. I, I shouldn't say it at that time. <laughs> Maryland but, fans like Maryland fans love yeah, it. Yeah, but, but it was kind of like, you know, we got beat by 30 that day, and then, and then we come back to Maryland, and he was so mad, so angry. But the next day, he was like, you know, I love you, and I always got you back, but no, no, don't do it again, please. So, you know, that, that, that shows how loyal, and even now when you do something wrong, he still was there in your corner, and he always supported me. And, you know, and, and, and being in the NBA, part of that career is obviously Gary. You know, everything he's done, everything, 
everything that I went through in college and how he got me ready to play at the highest level. You speak about that Maryland-Duke rivalry, one of my favorite games of all time, 2010, Duke-Maryland at the Comcast Center at the time. You guys, It's a back-and-forth game. You guys beat them down the stretch. What do you remember from that game, going up against those guys, John Shire, Singler, all those guys? Our fans. We got the greatest fans in college basketball. Um, I mean, that's why I'm here. You know, uh, I, I see myself here. Um, I see a future for me here in the school. I don't know where and how, but... Um, what what really inspired me is the loyalty that our fans gave us throughout the tough times. And that game was, our fans deserved that game. You guys, everybody that was involved deserved that type of game. That was the one of the greatest ending of a of a college season for any school in the in the basketball history. I mean, I I felt like it was it was it was a, it was a movie, you know, and. Uh, it was, it was great. I'm so thankful that everything went like that. Because, you know, remember my junior year, I almost leave. I almost left. Yeah, 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 yeah. I almost left to, to the NBA and I came back. And all of a sudden, that that senior year was was so smooth, was unbelievable, man. And, and that game, I remember when I hit that shot, it was not because I was good at that moment. It's just because all the hard work that we put in throughout the whole season, even the all, during the off season. So that was an unbelievable day, man. That was, uh, that was one of those games I would never forget. We're back here on Hear the Turtle, live from the Maryland Stadium press box with the man himself, Yannick Ngakwe. Thanks for joining us. Appreciate you having me. First of all, what is going on in Jacksonville right now? Every time I watch Red Zone, we go to Jacksonville where there's another sack. We go to Jacksonville, there's another forced fumble. You guys are just getting after the quarterback, and you're one of the main reasons why. What has been the mentality change for you guys this year? It's just the standard that we're trying to keep into the locker room. Uh, we preach that every day. Our defense uh, from the from the front to the back seven, we just have a lot of guys that's, that's hungry, that's trying to make a lot of plays. So that's that's the results you get when you uh, got 11 guys headhunting. What is it like for you? Obviously, you're a really good pass rusher here at Maryland, but now in the league, you've seen to even taking that next step. What has been that process like since you got drafted to where you're one of the best pass rushers in the NFL right now? Keeping, keeping my chip on my shoulder. Uh, basically, seeing the guys that went in front of me in the draft, uh, I felt I felt like... Uh, it was a lot on me uh, seeing that because I knew what I was what I was able to do and what I was capable of doing, and I feel like I'm showing that right now. But I just want to take it to the next level and just gain the respect from everybody in the league. And you talk about coming home, and you're a guy that stayed home and played here from the DMV, and that's sort of the movement. They talk about that a lot now. And we talked to Josh about it last week, saying how cool it is to be able to see all your family in the stands when you play. Do you remember any moments when you were a player where you were like, this is great that I can play for my state school and have you know my family and friends watch? And you have a guy like Jermaine Carter went to your high school. You can even play with your high school teammates. What's that sort of thing like for you? Yeah, it's a great feeling of uh, running out of the stadium and you get to see your mom and you know your family after the games. Uh, it's a great feeling. You can go back home, get a home cooked meal and stuff like that. Just try to instill the guys like you don't have to go far to go make to, to make it to the NFL. You can you can stay back home in your backyard and do it here. We're back here on Here the Turtle and the former All Pro, the former Maryland legend Sean Merriman, back here in College Park. Sean, thanks for giving us a little bit of your time. Hey, thanks, man. Thanks for having me. So you're back here, 15th annual Coach Drive now. Right. Some of you started, you know, back when you were playing here. Yeah. So what was the inspiration for that, and what's it like for you to be able to give back, you know, in your spot now? You, you know, it's great. Um, when I, I grew up here in PG County, Maryland, and uh, we lost a couple homes due to fires and left us homeless. Uh, my sophomore year, I decided to just start this cold drive, and I had no idea. I just wanted to, you know, help some people. I was playing now, and you know, 
big big time football and I had a, a, a little bit of a name recognition and so you know what I want to do something to give back um, because I was one of these kids out here who didn't have a coat when, when I lost my home when I was a kid first year out the gate we almost uh, raised almost 4,000 coats wow. we collected um, and now 15 years later we're close to uh, 26,000 over 15 years and that's that's helping out a lot especially um, you know us donating to the uh, veterans now uh, the homeless vets and uh, it's been it's been great and I really appreciate just the the people here at the, the, the school and the program and the wrestling team and the basketball team and and so many different programs have come out and supported this over the years you're a guy you're a guy that played with a lot of energy on the field obviously and DJ Durkin's a guy that has a lot of passion right you know and energy what do you have you seen from him in his first couple of years as Maryland's head coach you know I, I just seen him change the mentality you know coach Durkin uh, has done an amazing job recruiting as well uh, me being here from this area, I went to Frederick Douglass High School up in Marlboro, Maryland, and you feel the rumblings. You you, you hear just how uh, the connections made with this area, and and, and I tell kids time and time again, yeah, if it's a uh, area kid, and if you stay home uh, and you go um, and play in your backyard, you'll have a lot of success. Um, there's a lot of ton of talent here in the metropolitan area, and when, once kids understand it, they need to stay home in order for us to win games. Just like some of the other bigger schools and in, 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 um, in bigger states, when they stay home in their backyard, most of the talent is here in the D.C. Maryland, Virginia area. You almost answered my next question. I was going to say a DMV guy that stayed home, and they've sort of started that movement over the past few years. Yeah. What's that like for you to see? And, and do you talk to really, really talk to kids locally and say, "Hey, look, you can you can get it done here if everyone stays." Yeah, absolutely. I was a guy I uh, committed my junior year. And um, there was no second guessing on, on anywhere else that I wanted to go. And um, I already felt like I was home. I, my high school coaches and, and my family and friends got a chance to see me play in my college career. Um, and there was no better feeling than that because, uh, you know, we, we having success here, but also having the support from the area um, because there's no bigger support. I mean, you have, you know, the, the big media outlets, you have, um, you know, the, the publications and, and you have many outlets here to, to grow. Um, not just really on the field, but off the field as well. Now, back in your own career, what are your, some of your memories that come back to you when you come back to this place? What sort of starts to come to mind? Your favorite games, favorite moments from your playing career? So, so many. Um, I would say the the guys probably that I played with. I think we had eight guys on just in our defense alone that played on the next level. Yeah, that was I was doing some research. That was a crazy it was, defense. It was yeah. a crazy defense and start from Dequell Jackson and and Dominic Foxworth and Randy Starks, E.J. Henderson. Uh, you can just go across the board. You know, we had tons of guys, but um, you, what made us, I think, great was our, we had a mentality to stay together. We were very tight on and off the field. Um, and you had guys who come up from Florida, guys who come up from Georgia, Georgia and Alabama, all over the country. But we felt like we've been brothers and growing up, and that's the kind of mentality and friendship uh, that we had. We're back here on Hear the Turtle with WWE superstar, former Maryland football player, Mojo Rally. Mojo, thanks for giving us a little bit of your time, man. There it is. Thank you for having me, guys. Much appreciated. Excited to be on with y'all. Now, as I said, former NFL player, current WWE superstar. You got your NBA in like 20 seconds. Can you allow other people to like achieve some things every once in a while? I mean, come on, man. <laughs> leave some for the little people like me and Marty. <laughs> I'll tell you what, a lot of hard work went into that. That did not come easy or conventional by any means. What was it like for you to, to go through all that stuff? I mean, you, you've accomplished a lot of those different things, and, and now, you know, I've been in the WWE for a few years. What's just, when you look back at the journey that where you've gotten to now, what's it like for you? You know, honestly, it's uh, life's so busy these days, it's hard to get a chance to really stop and kind of think about, you know, everything you've gone through over the years to make, 
you know, your current situation possible. But it's uh, it's just been really rewarding, man. It's been a grind. It's been one that's shaped and molded me. Uh, you know, kind of the lessons that, you know, I kind of came up with, the ones that I learned as a turfer, you know, kind of the things I've been hanging my hat on as a professional wrestler, you know, for my NFL career, all that. Because, you know, my entire life I've always looked at my decision to transfer to Maryland as the decision that took me from essentially being a boy and becoming a man. You know, I, uh, I went to school at a Division three school, Christopher Newport, a school I love very much. And I was very heavily involved and invested in and You know, I had a full academic scholarship, but, you know, I really always wanted to play ball for Maryland. I, I'm, I'm from the DMV. I'm from Alexandria, Virginia. Maryland's a hometown school. I always wanted to go there, but didn't get a shot. So for me, when I had that opportunity to walk on at Maryland to give away my full academic scholarship and trade it in for $35,000 a year in student debts, you know, it was an opportunity, you know, I had to take because not only did I want to be a turf, but I knew I wanted to be something big in life. And, you know, playing at that level with that many eyes for the hometown school, I mean, that's the springboard, that's the platform you want to, uh, you know, kind of branch yourself off into different areas of success across the different fields. And, you know, it's just been, a, it's been an awesome ride. Very grateful for it. And it's one that I don't take for granted. You know, try to always stay humble and focused, never take things for granted. And, you know, kind of stay hyped. That's what it's always been about for me. Yeah, definitely. And I know that, uh, that pride is, is another word that, that comes to mind when we think about you. And I know just getting right into one of your biggest moments in, in your wrestling career, um, your WrestleMania appearance, obviously, coming out um, in your Maryland-themed trunks. Um, it's, it's apparent to us that... It's apparent to us and everyone who watches that, that you have a lot of Maryland pride. What is it, what is it like for you um, to kind of show your pride on, on a stage like WrestleMania? I mean, it was awesome, man. You know, honestly, I haven't even had a show in Maryland yet since I've been with the company and I've been with WWE for a little over five, uh, about five and a half years now. Um, but, you know, to kind of wear your heart on your sleeve and, you know, my heart's always kind of been kind of in the Terps, you know, and to, I physically put that on my gear. I mean, I wore the white trunks with the Maryland flag. You know, we had those uh, the, the first set of Maryland pride uniforms that the Terps had. <laughs> love them or hate them, you know, they got so much attention, but it was something we've always been proud of. Like, the Maryland flag's the coolest one, so cool, the coolest flag I know, at least. So that kind of happened. No, it's all confirmed. My gear. Definitely the coolest one. Definitely. <laughs> yeah, confirmed. <laughs> Put a stamp on it, baby. <laughs> but the, the white on white was a flag. I mean, I've been holding on to that pattern for, for a long time. So to wear that at Mania, uh, you know, to represent where I come from. You know, like I said earlier, that journey that took me from being a boy to becoming a man and to, to wear that on my big day and to win it, win the battle royal on the grandest stage of them all. I mean, it's just, you know, those are kind of those those moments you dream for, dream of, like those moments that pay off the $35,000 a year, you know, that huge risk that I took. You know, because if that didn't work out, if, if my career in Maryland didn't work out, I'm leaving college with 150 grand in debt. And, you know, not, you know, I have my education to show for it, of course. But, you know, I really wanted to, to make some of myself on like a really big level. And, you know, it, just to see it all pay off. It's just it's really cool, man. It's hard to put into words. Now, now you were obviously a great, great athlete and great student during your time at Maryland. What are just some of the memories that come back to you when you think about your career here? Oh, man. You know, it's easy to jump to uh, big football games. You know, some of the bigger wins, um, especially my senior year. But, you know, honestly, for me, it's been more about 
moments like uh, some of the shenanigans I got into. You know, I, I roomed with Alex Schultz and Femi uh, Okulaja, who were, you know, teammates of mine on the, on the Maryland football team. So you think back to the shenanigans there in the dorms and kind of the, the crap we would get into, the fun times, you know, <laughs> that college kids get into. Like, you know, those are the things that really stick out. But, you know, other than that, like, you know, the huddles, the, the practices that suck so bad when you're there, but you think back to it and, you know, they, they're the times that kind of shaped you. You know, I still to this day say that the hardest thing I've ever had to do in my entire life by a long shot was my first football camp in Maryland. It was like out of the 15 linemen and the three deep, like 12 of them went to the NFL or something stupid like that. And it was just the most brutal, hardest thing I've ever had to do in my life. You know, transferring from a D3 school where I was the man to being a fifth, fifth string nose guard and just going through that schedule. I mean, we had the hardest football camp in the country, bar none, and it was just, it was tough, and it sucked then. I remember the guys would be, like, sitting there, and they'd get all depressed in the locker room. You'd ask them what's wrong, and they're like, ah, man, it's only nine months until the next football camp. (laughs) (laughs) It was that bad, but you think back to it now, and it's just like, in a funny, messed up way, I mean, those are kind of the moments you you miss a little bit, that kind of that feeling of perseverance and and making it through with your best friends. I mean, that's that's really what it is. Back on our volume three of our Hear the Turtle mixtape, just completing the set of mixtapes, and we'll be back next week with our regularly scheduled programming. The review is over, and 2018 is upon us. Keith, it's going to be an exciting year. Whew, we got big shoes to fill after that 2017, man. We're going to need some lineup, some uh, some good guests here. Yeah, exactly. Who do you think is your who's your bucket list guest for 2018? If you could have one person on, you, you know, this is a long shot by a mile, but uh, I gotta say Larry David. Maryland alum. Maryland you alum. You never know. Curb your enthusiasm, Seinfeld fame. Uh, I mean, uh, who doesn't love those shows? Come on. Absolutely. It would be great to hear, you know, w- what he follows about Maryland sports, what he remembers. I think the person I'd like to have on, maybe a little bit more attainable, is Gary Williams. Oh, there you Former go. head coach of Maryland basketball. I think it will be a fun interview talking to him about what he thinks current state of the program, you know, talking to stories about the national championship, him reviving the program. And then even farther back, somehow we get the, the head coach, Lefty Drizel, talk to him a little bit, see if we can make that happen. But 2018 is going to be a fun year. we got the spring sports coming up. So make sure to tune into us next week and beyond. Make sure to follow us on all of our social media channels at Hear the Turtle on Instagram, at Hear the Turtle on Twitter, Taylor Smith 10 on Twitter, Sneds 301 on Twitter. Shoot him money on Venmo 2018. Keith needs a new pair of shoes. Or you can hit me on my cryptocurrency wallets as well. <laughs> Cryptocurrency for Keith. We'll see you in 2018. Go Terps.